What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Starts to hint at real hockey again. Uh, I, of course, am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal beat writers, back from vacation. Also back from the beach is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how's it hanging, man? Oh, I'm pretty good, but uh, I, I got to bring something up here since we've uh, since we've last chatted. There's been a little bit of news on your end, so I think uh, congratulations are in order there, sir. Thank you, thank you very much. I uh, appreciate it for for those that uh, aren't aware during the brief hiatus that we uh, kind of took from recording because it's the off season. Not a lot is happening, and Dave and I both had vacation time to burn up before the. Uh, season started uh i got to uh ask my my girlfriend a question and uh, she's no longer my girlfriend she's my fiance which is a pretty cool feeling but also terrifying because now all our free time is dedicated to planning a large event for all our family and friends so you know you take the the good with the bad because it's all actually really good and really exciting but yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty crazy and eventful uh, couple weeks. Nice. Well, congratulations. I'm sure it'll uh, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. And uh, if Bailey's listening, congratulations to her as well. Yeah, she is uh, pretending to not listen in the background. <laughs> as I, uh, I'm sure all our listeners know. will send it along as well. I uh, appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're excited to uh, be back. We're a little bit more relaxed, rejuvenated because we've both had time to get away. But now we're Back around Las Vegas because things are starting to pick up at least uh, a little bit hockey-wise. The Golden Knights have their rookie camp starting next week. The week after is training camp. So everything is right around the corner. And we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff and other news that has come out since we've been away. But before we get to all that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, also, if you guys could check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com, that would be much appreciated. We have stories on uh, most of the things we're going to talk about on today's show. And also, uh, I had a story that I've been working on for quite a bit uh, of the offseason uh, published uh, yesterday on uh, the NHL and gambling and kind of how the league is and is not embracing uh, the legalized sports betting boom. That is kind of spreading across pro sports. If you guys want to get or check that out, that would be much appreciated. And also, if you guys could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast, please do this one. It would be very much appreciated. All right. So let's get into some of the things that we have missed since we've been away. I think one of the big things that we should throw out, especially because this is a Golden Knights podcast, is the fact that uh, the Knights are not going to require fans to get vaccinated or provide a negative COVID-19 test to attend their games. However, that means that masks are going to be required right now for everyone going to games because there is a statewide mask mandate in indoor spaces right now. Uh, if people remember, and we touched on this on the podcast before we took our little break, uh, Governor Steve Sisolak said, Large venues could get out of the mask mandate if they required vaccinations and the Raiders jumped on that. So, uh, you know, being at least partially vaccinated is kind of required uh, for almost everybody to go to a Raiders game this year. But that means that people don't have to wear masks at Allegiant Stadium. 
the Knights decided to not, you know, follow that route. And they decided instead that we're not going to require vaccinations, but we will instead require masks. So it's basically going to be pretty similar to when they first came back uh, last year, except they'll obviously still have full capacity, but require masks to be on at all times, except when people are eating or drinking. Uh, of course, it is also possible, we should point out, that the mask mandate might go away at some point this season. It's kind of impossible to say. Uh, it's based on the number of new cases in each county. So once the numbers go down to kind of an acceptable level, the mask mandate automatically uh, goes away. So it's entirely a numbers thing. It's not like, you know, Sisolak uh, has to, you know, just wake up one day and decide that we're good with masks. It's literally a numbers game. And so we'll see if that number happens to go down enough where at some point people go, can go to night's game unmasked this season. But for now, uh, that is not the case. Uh, Dave, are you surprised at all that uh, they didn't follow the Raiders lead or, you know, surprised that this is kind of the, the route they chose in terms of how they're going to uh, deal with, you know, having fans in the building this season? Yeah. I mean, I think, unfortunately, I have to be careful with how I say it. I don't want anything to like be, you know, construed as political or, or anything like that with this subject. And like, I mean, like I said, I think it's unfortunate that I have to put that disclaimer on this conversation. I mean, I guess maybe a little bit surprised only because so many other teams have done it. It wasn't like the Knights would have been setting a precedent or would have had to, you know, be the ones out front and kind of answer all the questions, um, you know, or do anything like that. Like the Raiders did it. You've seen a bunch of hockey teams do it. I think uh, today there was an announcement from Seattle that they were going to require vaccination and masks, I believe. I I'm not 100% on that, but definitely vaccination. Um, so, so again, like other teams have, have kind of already, you know, kicked down the door on this. And if the Knights wanted to, uh, you know, go that way, certainly, you know, they could have followed other teams lead on it. Uh, maybe I'm a little surprised they didn't just because other teams have, but I think you made a good point. Like I, and maybe I'll have you kind of articulate this yourself. Like they, they weren't really motivated. There's no real motivation, I guess, for them to do it that way. Um, and I guess I do kind of see that side of it. So I get why the Knights would feel like they didn't have to do it the Raiders way because they're dealing with less numbers. There's a possibility that, you know, conditions can improve um, some time during the course of the season. So they didn't want to necessarily box themselves into having to, uh, you know, do vaccinations and negative COVID-19 tests right away. I mean, as you said, Dave, there's certainly an argument uh, for it, uh, not only from just kind of the moral ethical piece of it, but just the fact that teams are doing it. A lot of the Canadian NHL teams have done it. As you said, Seattle has kind of announced it. We've seen just other professional sports teams go about it. Uh, Chicago the Blackhawks have said that uh, the United Center will kind of um, have people do that. So I think there's definitely obviously strong case to be made both ways, but this is the direction the Knights chose, and either way they did it, I think they could feel pretty confident that knowing, you know, their fans and how much they show up uh, to games, that uh, they were going to be able to have a uh, pretty full stadium. You know, so that's unfair. Yeah, and I mean, I think ultimately with all this is we just all want to see the, you know, the numbers continue to improve and continue to come down, you know, to where we get to a point where you know none of these conversations are necessary. 
you know, and then we don't have to talk about COVID lists during the season and players and vaccinations and all that, you know, I, like that ultimately is, I think, what everybody wants from all sides of, you know, of, of this issue and, and, you know, avenues and whatever. So, you know, hopefully, you know, it gets to that point. Like you said, hopefully it gets to, you know, a couple months from now and maybe the Knights, you know, can update and adjust and, and you know, have a new policy, whatever, you know, is appropriate at the time. I, th- I think, you know, ultimately that's what this really comes down to is, is having a policy in place that's appropriate for you know everybody's health and safety and what's going on at that particular you know point in time you know in las vegas in the county in the state and you know around the country yeah and fingers crossed uh you know obviously the pandemic gets better in all of those areas despite the fact that it's not required i would you know highly recommend everyone get vaccinated if uh they haven't done so yet um i know there's a lot of uh you know information out there about the efficacy of them basically every scientific study that you read says they are very helpful at preventing uh, the spread of the disease and also of course please wear your mask uh, indoors because that's required and that also really helps the spread and if we help stop the spread that means that we don't have to wear masks again because it was really nice when we didn't have to do that and that means we can all go to you know hockey games and enjoy them together on masks which is certainly what i and i think you too dave want to get back to doing uh, but speaking of, you know, big, exciting games that we're happy to get back to, the NHL is going to the Olympics, and that's really cool. Uh, a deal was finally reached uh, last week, so there will be a break in the schedule that's going to allow players to go. Uh, basically, All-Star Weekend, which is still happening at T-Mobile Arena, uh, will take place February 4th and 5th. Then guys are going to go off to Beijing, likely just from there. And the season will start up again the 23rd, I believe. Uh, though the Knights themselves are not. Uh, having their first game after the Olympic break until the 25th. So, Dave, NHL players are going to Beijing. What was your first reaction when you saw the news? Good for them. Just because I remember, you know, especially like that first year with the Golden Knights, you know, and talking to, you know, somebody like Marc-Andre Fleury um, and, you know, one or two of the other guys that maybe were under consideration potentially for a team and then not being able to go and kind of hearing their disappointment, like, Every time the subject has come up, you know, and you ask a player about it, like you see and hear their excitement, how much they wanted to be over there. And yeah, look like, you know, here's the other side of this too. They have to figure out, you know, insurance stuff and what happens if somebody gets hurt and all that. It's like the same stuff that, you know, soccer teams have to deal with when these guys go on international break or go play in the World Cup and, and all of that. And, and it's not easy to solve. But ultimately, that's what everybody wants to see is best on best. And they got it a few years ago with that World Cup thing, you know, seeing Team North America and, and all that. But when you put a flag in, in all this and you put an Olympic gold medal on the line, you know, and, and you just you put that name Olympics attached to that tournament, it, it brings a different cachet. It brings a different just, you know, shine, you know, to, to that. It brings a different excitement. So knowing how much the players wanted to be over there and knowing how how cool and exciting this tournament could and should be as long as, you know, everybody's healthy and, you know, kind of willing and able to, to you know, play well in, in, a, in a tournament setting like that. It, it's it's the best thing for the sport, you know, for promotion and, and all of that to, to grow the game globally. Yeah, I'm certainly very excited to see best on best hockey again uh for those unfamiliar with how olympic hockey 
works. Uh, there's going to be 12 teams involved. They're split into three groups. Uh, every team in the three groups plays each other. So there's, you know, three preliminary games. Then the teams all get seated and there's four rounds of elimination games. But the four or three group winners and then the you know best second place team all get buys. And so it'll be really exciting because a lot of the best teams in the world, obviously, are going to be there. Canada, the U.S., uh, Sweden, Finland, uh, not Russia. It's the Russian Olympic Committee uh, currently. Uh, we know for sure that the Golden Knights are going to have at least some representation because Coach Pete DeBoer is going to be a Team Canada assistant for uh, Tampa Bay Lightning coach John Cooper. Uh, also, Knights Director of Hockey Operations Misha Donskov is going to be Canada's Special Assistant of Coaching Operation. Uh, but there's probably going to be a lot of other guys involved as well. I mean, you mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury, Dave, who could be involved, but of course no longer with the Knights. But uh, who else do you think uh, connected to uh, the Knights right now in terms of their players are kind of strong contenders to uh, be on the, their national teams? Well, I mean, I guess if we're mentioning a goalie and potentially somebody like Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, representing Canada, um, you would probably have to start with Robin Leonard. And, and whether he would represent Sweden. I guess there was probably a couple other goalies in the mix in Sweden. Uh, you, you'd probably go Jacob Markstrom, maybe Linus Olmark, um, maybe some of the younger guys, I guess. But and, and this is so this is something and I wonder about this. I might be imagining this. It might be some weird like, you know, Mandela effect that I'm having. But I seem to remember that Robin Leonard and maybe the Swedish national team committee have had some run-ins before. And so I wonder if he, if, if there's something there, I hope that, you know, if that there's not, and that he would represent Sweden um, because I think he would have a chance to be their number one. And, you know, I think that would solidify the the resume that he's built over the last three years is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. Uh, and then, you know, also just cause we're talking about Sweden. I mean, I think you would have to look at William Carlson. Obviously that's going to be a deep team. Sweden with, you know, a whole lot of offensive skill up front. But, you know, William Carlson could probably shift to a bottom six role on that team. I think, you know, we always talk about his defense. So, you know, you put him in a in a short tournament like that and ask him to play a role. I, I think that that might be something where where he could thrive and that you don't not necessarily have to get, you know, kind of a grinder type guy in there. So I think those two probably for Sweden would jump out right away. Um, you got Max Pacioretty. Uh, for the Americans, I think he's, you know, probably on, you know, maybe a little bit on the older side uh, for all of this, but he's still scoring 30 goals a season in the NHL. And I, I think, you know, a team USA would always be looking for somebody that could, you know, score goals. And and then, you know, what Canada you'd have, you know, probably Mark Stone. Uh, he's represented them before. Certainly Alex Petrangelo and, and probably Shea Theodore as well um, on defense and, you know, there's there's maybe, I don't know, maybe a couple other guys that that might get a look. I don't know, Jonathan Marcheseau, depending on, you know, injuries or just, you know, kind of the situation that, you know, obviously Canada's going to have anybody and everybody to choose from. But I think those are the guys probably right away that jump out. I, I don't know. Am I missing somebody? I, I can't I can't really think I'm, I'm kind of trying to scan the roster a little bit, too. Yeah, I think there's a those are the guys that I think are like pretty uh, strong locks to at least make kind of the initial, you know, I think it's called like a conditional roster where they're going to have a long list of guys that they can choose from. And then I think it's a, 
around mid-January where they have to officially pick the team. And I think all those guys you mentioned are going to get you know pretty heavy consideration. Uh, guys that could also get a look maybe. I mean, you mentioned Jonathan Marsh, so maybe getting a look. I mean, it's one of those things where, and I'm going to steal a, a take from our, uh, you know, uh, other competitor, Justin Emerson, who works for the Las Vegas Sun, that of Jonathan Marsh. So were, you know, had been born in basically any other country, he probably would definitely uh, be on an Olympic team. But I think Evgeny Dadnov is a guy that maybe could work his way in with the Russian Olympic Committee. That's just, he kind of also falls into a similar trap as Marsh. So where that country is not only just talented, but specifically so talented at his position, where if you look at, uh, you know, the Russian Olympic Committee and what it can bring on the wing. I mean, you're talking about Panarin, Kucherov, Ovechkin, Kaprizov, Svechnikov. Like, that is a tough, tough group to break into. But if he looks like the guy, you know, that he was in Florida uh, with the Knights compared to the guy that he was in Ottawa last year, I think he could at least get a look as a guy who could provide a little extra scoring punch. Uh, Alex Tuck is a guy that he convention yeah. might have gotten a look for team usa now as all knights fans listening to this probably know tuck had soldier surgery this off season so he is out uh from six months from when he had it so basically by the time that uh, team usa needs to you know kind of finalize its roster that's he's probably not going to be back yet or if he gets back it will be i mean extremely tight in terms of when he gets back and when the roster is due. So there's just almost no way timing wise that I think Tuck is going to be able to make the Olympic roster, but he's a guy that if he had a really strong start to the year, maybe could have gotten uh, a look. And then there's also, uh, you know, Matthias Janmark with Sweden where he's probably on the outside looking in now, but he mentioned when he re-signed with the Knights that he thought, you know, playing for a really good NHL team like the Knights was going to help his game hopefully get him on Team Sweden's roster. And you could, you know, maybe if you kind of squint, see, like, he's a guy who can kind of play up and down the lineup a little bit. He's very versatile in terms of where you play him in the lineup. That if he has a really strong start to the year and maybe there's injuries or some other guys are not having great years, maybe he's a guy that, you know, Team Sweden kind of feels could be like, you know, a versatile chess piece where he's just a guy that would be really useful to have in a depth role because of how many different places he can fill in. Um, but I think those are the guys that um, could potentially, you know, go for the Knights, which is a fairly healthy list, which obviously makes sense given that once again, they're going to, you know, be one of the top contenders for the Stanley cup. Um, but I'm going to put you on the spot uh, now, Dave, in terms of, you know, going, given all kind of the roster projections that we've seen from a number of different outlets heading into this tournament what's uh, your guess as to what team is uh kind of the favorites for gold what are some other teams that you're looking to uh potentially medal once these olympic games actually happen with nhl players again so real quick i just wanted to jump in on tuck because i think he's such an interesting case and and would have been um really neat to to kind of see throughout the year if he you know would have and could have made that team i think you bring it up obviously i think the injury is just going to knock him out of contention but um he's a guy who's he's let's just say he's very patriotic um and i know how much it has meant uh to him to represent team usa in the past uh, i know how much it would have meant to him 
uh, to be on the Olympic team. So, you know, it's kind of a tough break for him uh, in that regard. And I, I did want to just kind of bring it up because I, I think he would have been a really fun talking point all year for, for Team USA just because of the role he could have played for them and, and what he could have offered them. Uh, but as far as the medal race goes, I mean, I think you probably have to look at, you know, the the old standbys. You know, Canada's roster is going to be absolutely stacked. And if they get any kind of goaltending, whether it's Carey Price or, you know, Carey Hart or like even Marc-Andre Fleury, like somebody, and then obviously Canada is going to be in it. Um, you would think the U.S. would be right there. Uh, but Russia should be really good too, especially if uh, if Vasilevsky's playing for them. Or is he? He's Ukrainian, isn't he? Is he Russian? Or Ukrainian? No, Vasilevsky, I believe, is yeah Russian. So he was he would be their number one. And Russia's interesting because, as I mentioned, they have just like absolute just dominators yeah. on the wings, where they just can wreck you up the middle, but or on the outside, but up the middle, it's a little bit iffy because you've got uh, Evgeny Malkin, obviously the Penguin star, but he had, I believe, off-season knee surgery. And then you look through kind of their center depth and it's nothing that uh, excited, you know, exciting uh, to look at. Old, uh, you know, Knights fans will remember this name of uh, Vadim Shipashev is actually probably going to make Russia's Olympic roster just because he can play center for them. And that might, you know, tell Knights fans exactly kind of what Russia's center depth is looking like, but you know, anytime you have some of the best, you know, wingers in the world combined with obviously probably the best goaltender in the world with Andre Vasilevsky, you've got a shot, but uh, obviously I think Sweden is going to be really good challenge Canada as well. And I'm, I'll be curious about uh, the U S because as someone, you know, who of course was uh, born in the United States and, uh, has enjoyed cheering on uh, the country I was born in in various Olympics. I'm intrigued to see how the U.S. can fare now that, I mean, we've certainly seen it like the world junior level. Uh, U.S. kind of raise their level a little bit and be able to compete with Canada there. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can do that on the senior level. I think the U.S. has got a fantastic blue line where you got the reigning Besna winner, Adam Fox, and you got Charlie McAvoy. Uh, the goalies are great where you got Connor Hellebuck who, you know, cause coming off of Vesna win two seasons ago, John Gibson from Anaheim centers are okay. Where you've got Austin Matthews, whether Jack Eichel is going to be healthy and able to play in the Olympics is a big question mark for the U S. Uh, so we'll see. I'm not quite as enamored with their forward group as obviously Canada's, which is going to jam too many superstars into, uh, their lineup where you know, you've got McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, uh, point. I mean, it's just ridiculous the number of guys they have. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is maybe their fourth line center, I guess, by default. Uh, you know, the firepower that Canada can bring is crazy. But, you know, we'll see uh, as, you know, we go through all these different rosters. There's a lot to like and get excited about. And I think it's going to be a, a really fun show and hopefully create a lot of new hockey fans and don't forget about finland they've been a, a pest a thorn in everybody's side in the tournaments the last you know few years they seem to be tough it's just it's fun it's a short tournament like you never know what, what can happen in you know a couple weeks time you know when it comes to this stuff like teams gel quick you know they, they come together something something galvanizes them or you know just the chemistry clicks uh sometimes it's goaltending you know whatever it might be so that's what makes it fun there's you know usually a surprise team and 
And there's usually the, the other thing is there's usually like a surprise player or two that emerges from all of this. So, you know, it's always fun to kind of see, you know, maybe a Russian that, that you haven't, you know, heard of or, or seen before, or, you know, who knows, maybe Ivan Morozov is, uh, is going to make a Russian team. Although I doubt it since he, uh, seems to be in, hot water over there because he doesn't want to resign. So I don't know. Maybe that's a, a fun transition into the rookie camp. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> that is a perfect transition, Dave. Cause yeah, our last topic before we take, I was just going to be a quick talking about the rookie camp that will happen with uh, the golden Knights next week. Yes. Hockey is coming back to uh, Las Vegas and city national arena. Uh, very soon. It actually officially kicks off a week from tomorrow. And then they're going to go uh, play games in Arizona Next weekend against a bunch of other teams' prospects. The Knights, I believe, are playing San Jose, uh, L.A., and Arizona. Uh, Their roster for this rookie camp is out, and it's basically most everyone you would expect, including the entire uh, 2021 draft class. Uh, Six of uh, Dave's top 10 Knights prospect are on the roster. Make sure, if you haven't yet, to check out that full list at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, with some notable exceptions, one of them, of course, 2019 first-round pick Brendan Brisson because he's at Michigan. I believe he was uh, Instagramming from uh, their first football win of the season uh, last weekend, so it looked like he was having a good time. As Dave mentioned, <laughs> center uh, Ivan Morozov, who uh, is on the last year of his deal in Russia, and so yeah, there's he plays for one of the big teams there, uh, Ska, and so. There seems to be some finagling where they're pushing him off the main KHL roster because they know that he wants to come over to North America after the year. Uh, The other top uh, 10 prospects that Dave had that are not going to be at the rookie camp are uh, winger Lucas Elvinus and goaltender Logan Thompson. Uh, Both of them have been around in the organization a fair amount, at least Elvinus has, whereas uh, Thompson is older, still pretty experienced compared to a lot of guys in this camp and has actually been on the NHL roster before. So, you know, makes sense that the Knights didn't think they necessarily needed to go out of all of the guys that you saw on uh, the list, Dave, who do you kind of have your eye on uh, heading into rookie camp? Who do you think uh, needs to make a good impression on the Knights brass now that they're actually going to be able to see these guys uh, some of them in person wearing kind of a Knights, you know, quasi uniform practice uniform for kind of the first time. Well, so I always think back to, you know, like the first development camp and Alex Tuck was out there running around and like just looked out of place. You know, he, he just looked too good for everybody. Too big, too fast, too strong. Just, you know, like he graduated. And I think maybe there's a couple guys you want to see are close to graduating, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, you want to see Peyton Krebs do well in that tournament. You know, it's it's against his peers. He's he's always done well. And and you would expect him to, you know, to have a top six role, you know, for those games and and play, you know, a key as a key offensive driver. You don't want to see him struggle. You don't want to see, you know, him have question marks. Same thing with somebody like Caden Korzak. Um, you know. The other one there that stood out to me on the roster um, was Jack Dugan. And, and maybe because he's there and Elvinus isn't. Um, it makes me wonder if there's an injury with Elvinus or something like that. But if Jack Dugan is there playing rookie camp again, like at, at 23 at the stage that he's at right now, after having a pretty 
darn good rookie AHL season. Like he should look above, you know, folks in, in that tournament in, in, in that, in that camp. Um, you know, one other one, obviously Zach Dean, um, you know, because he's a first round pick. So this is our first chance to look at him. And then, you know, even Daniil Chayka a little bit too, just because I, I thought he was so intriguing as a second round pick, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, so I've run through a bunch of names, but there's one guy that I really want to see. It's the goalie. I want to see this Carl Limbaum because I had heard and read so much about him in the draft and he's, he's undersized, but like the scouting reports on him were, were crazy. Like that, if this kid was like two or three inches taller, he would have been up there with like Wallstead and Kosa and like potentially, you know, as a first or second round pick type guy. So, so I'm just, I'm so intrigued by him and, and I really want to see, you know, if all of a sudden they, they just found something with this kind of little, little goaltender who does nothing but, but stops the puck. I, I, it could be so fun to watch him. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm really, really, really excited to, you know, see what he actually is. Yeah. Carl Lindblom, uh, seventh round pick. Uh, by the Knights this past year, 2021 draft listed as a 6-1. I mean, at the World Juniors, he had a 9-18 save percentage, which is obviously uh, pretty solid. Uh, but I'll tell you the one guy that uh, you did not mention, Dave, that I'm kind of intrigued to see is uh, Lucas Cormier, who was a Knights uh, third-round pick uh, last year in 2020. They actually got him with one of the picks in the Nikita Gusev trade, and he had just a out standing draft plus one season last year we had 54 points in 39 games uh in the uh, you know quebec major junior league that was obviously tops among defensemen in the league he's a little undersized for a defenseman i believe he's listed at around 510 ish but i'll be really curious to see kind of what he looks like uh defensively against kind of his peers whether he looks like he's going to be able to hold up you know, in his own zone, despite that size. And then obviously, you know, I want to see how much kind of his skill level flashes from the blue line, because it does seem like they, they picked a pretty intriguing guy uh, in the third round. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. It, there's going to be hopefully a lot to see in parse, and it'll just be interesting to see, you know, these last two draft classes kind of on the ice together, because the Knights obviously didn't have, a rookie camp last year. So they just haven't gotten their own, you know, eyes kind of in their own environment on these guys uh, since they were drafted into the organization. So, I don't know. It's pretty exciting. Fun times. Hockey's coming back. The Olympics are going to include NHL players within them. There's a lot of stuff happening. So we're excited to be back. We hope you guys are too. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. As a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. We plugged a couple pieces in this show, but as a reminder, you can check out uh, my piece on you know the NHL's relationship with uh, sports betting right now on the site, and of course Dave's top ten nights prospect uh, list. And as always, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do, podcast due to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. He's Dave Shane. Uh, We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and it is good to be back. We will talk to you guys again real soon. Congrats, Ben. Congrats, Ben.